And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting, it's Stainer and Dave Ninemitz. It's Stainer and Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Jr., Dave Ninemitz of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on Tuesday. Uh, as the Bengals are in Vikings week, six-day week, got a Saturday game, which uh, I like. Saturday at 1, clears a Sunday. I'm I'm here for it. I like the Saturday at 1. Dave, I'm sure that you do, too, <laughs> after staying up late last night waiting on Green Bay to finish yeah. and the uh, stories from our yeah, that, Green Bay. Yeah, that sounds great when you're the writer for one team, not the editor for three teams. <laughs> I want to want to thank those NFL schedule makers for putting Bengals at 1 and the Broncos at 8.15, put the yeah. Packers on Sunday. Just make sure to <laughs> just book up my whole weekend with football and waiting on stories, but... Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> not bitter about it at all. No, not bitter uh, at all. No, it's good. I'm glad to catch early morning wake up, <laughs> Dave, here. Uh, we've got some stuff to get into. want to talk a little bit about sort of the new state of the offense, the, the tweaked version that we've seen under Jake Browning. I have a story up on that now, kind of a, a deeper look at where things have changed, maybe the surprising way that they have not. And um, one particular scheme move that has turned Jake Browning into some sort of golden passing god that's really hard <laughs> to figure out uh, why it's fit them so well. But so we'll, we'll, I want to that you can read all that now that's up there on the site, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit here as well. Um, Mo Egger will join us. Uh, we'll discuss a little bit of what's happening in the AFC, maybe a run pass or boot with him. And then. You guys have been so great as to drop some questions in. So we'll get a little Q&A here uh, at the end as well. Arby's, all of the things that we like to do here. Um, as far as news goes, um, in the news is me apologizing for not having a growler bet on Thursday. I totally flaked on that one. I got all excited about the submissions that were coming in and everything else and there being a winner and we were shoving on. I just I forgot to even say what the growler bet was going to be for the weekend. Many of you reminded me of that. I'm sorry that I've disappointed so many. Uh, but don't worry. The potential for free beer will come this weekend. I'll give you two. I'll do give yeah. you a two for one on Saturday so that we can make up for lost time. There you go. Double double the value there. I, I look, think it's it's worth the wait to have two for one. Yeah. Look, it is. Look at look at me go. Look at double mint gum commercial. <laughs> uh let's again. Shout out 90s kids. We're there here you for you. Yeah. Um, let's go. Um uh Thursday, we'll have uh Kelsey Conway of the Inquirer and Matt Caller uh from Minnesota are gonna join and we will uh we'll talk a little bit through the game this weekend. Really looking forward uh to that. Um I was on the athletic football show with Kiefer in the beats. 
Today we talked a little bit about Jake Browning's emergence and just some of the storylines happening there. Love Zach. He's doing a great job with that portion of uh, Robert's show. And so thanks to him for having me on. We talked for about 20 minutes, the first part of today's episode. So you can go check that out. Or if you just can't get enough of me talking, which I hope that that's not <laughs> the case. Uh, but if you're looking for more and you're a glutton for punishment, it's there. Could you start doing maybe cameo videos too, where people can just, you know, yeah, I mean, their look, birthday wishes from you. And... At this point, at this point, it feels like it. I mean, I'll be doing an hour <laughs> with Mo this afternoon uh, on ESPN fifteen thirty. So yeah, make sure you just make sure you just soak it all in. We've got plenty of plenty of of thoughts apparently. Um, all right, so all that coming, all that's there coming your way. Let's let's. Justin Jefferson looks like he might play after being precautionarily taken to the hospital Yeah, uh, on his first game back from his hamstring injury. So maybe we will get the chase uh, Jefferson storyline this week. No Burrow part of that, but maybe Burrow will be uh, taking him around on a recruiting tour. Yeah, maybe Thaddeus Moss can sign at the last second off a practice squad or something. I'm sure he'll be there. Maybe he'll be up there in the suite with Browning's family, you know? There you go. Burrow's like, look, I'm going to have a suite for for Jefferson's family, Thaddeus Moss, and all the Browning (laughs) people. He's just going to shove everybody in there, whatever the fire code is. By by the way, I'll I'll take the happy Browning family over whatever that Tommy DeVito group was last night. (laughs) I've, I've already had enough. Bring, give me Taylor Swift. I don't want to look at those clowns anymore. You don't, know, you don't want, you know, any more Tommy Cutlets references? Oh God! Yeah. Oh, the agent oh. is great. The agent is great. Oh, is he? He's uh, he's so perfect. He's so yeah. perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early for you. Uh, just... Let's 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 talk about the reformed offense here a little bit. Um, Rather than going down a Tommy Cutlet's wormhole. <laughs> yeah, don't get me. Don't get me going too much on that. <laughs> um, so I want to I think there's some ideas and certainly people with the eye test can can see that there's some different things happening here with Jake Browning. But I thought it was really interesting. You know, when you look at. Really, what portions of the playbook they have burned uh, and what portions of the playbook they've leaned into and, and maybe what hasn't changed that you thought. Um, th- there's, a, there's a few things that were interesting. Did you know, Dave, that the Bengals were obviously running a lot of empty formation with Joe Burrow, including I think 12 was their most in the game, but they're average about eight empty set plays a year. The last two weeks, O.O. take a torch to it. Okay, it's not for them and it's not for Jake Browning. And it has shifted to a significant amount more of under center. And particularly, we've seen a rise in under center play action, really kind of a Zach Taylor's roots from L.A., right? Running the under center play action crossers and all the stuff that comes off of that, keeping the other team off balance with a good marriage of the pass and the run game. Here's a little bit of stats behind that. That that that's kind of crazy. The Bengals were in shotgun. So I go, I go healthy burrow time basically, week five to week eleven. Um, that section that everyone's talking about, shotgun percentage, there was 88% um in the three games 
with Browning, it's been 67%, and they leaned even harder against Indy all the way down to 57, a 30% difference. And you might say under center, shotgun, whatever. Well, you know, Burrow's preference, we've talked about this often, is to, to be in the gun, stand there, see it all, process it, stay a little more static because he feels like he can just dissect it and know exactly where to go. He's one of the best processors in the world. Let him do it. And that has worked for him. Um, but it doesn't, it's not who Jake Browning is. He's not stand back there and spread them out and be an empty and dissect and all that. The extra time you get from running from under center, dropping back. If you do involve the play action, the, the, hesitation that creates in the pass rush and at the linebackers has certainly paid off for him. We've seen him turn into some sort of a crazy passing machine. Here he is uh, under center with play action involved the last three weeks, 11 of 14 for 240 yards, (laughs) 10 first downs, and then also 27 rushing yards on three scrambles. Oh, yeah, the three incompletions. One was a T. Higgins drop 10 yards down the field, and the other one was a throwaway. I mean, he's been almost – this has fit him perfectly to a T. Now, the screen stuff that we talked about has been a part of this, but not all of it at all. It's just the fact that it's really – seems to have fit and all of these changes are part of where you're seeing Jake Browning shine in this offense really find something uh in in what he's doing and and change up what they are uh, well, the funny part of that story to me is your first quote from Zach Taylor where he's like oh yeah. we're, we're really not doing anything that different <laughs> yeah you are read the rest of the story because yeah. you totally are but I mean this is what good coaching is with a backup quarterback, right? Because, like, you're seeing it with Joe Flacco. Stefanski went and said, what are you comfortable with, Joe Flacco? And they molded the offense to him, and he's looked great. And it seems the Bengals have done the same. They see what Browning's comfortable with and what he's good at, and they molded the offense into it. Now, the real test is moving forward as teams now have film on this, and, you know, maybe you have to put some of those wrinkles back in that you were doing with Burrow, but those are remarkable numbers to, to have a guy step in and you get him comfortable doing that. And it's so different than what you had been doing. Um, it's really pretty amazing that they've transitioned that well. There's the false narrative that's kind of come out of this is that the Bengals are running the ball more. Yeah. Um, now, I should say all of these numbers, I, I forgot to put the precursor. It's important here. All of these numbers are in neutral down situations. Okay. So we are extracting. Um, late game games that are more than 10 points, you know, separation, fourth quarter, um, goal to go, um, third downs. We're, we're taking out the, the obvious where everybody kind of, you always know what you're doing. True can do whatever you want situations, true situations where you're the defense shouldn't know what's coming and where you lean. So that that's important to keep that in mind in those situations. They're not running the ball more. They're actually running at almost the exact same percentage that they were. They're still pass heavy. It's just how they're passing. Yeah. And that's helped. It's really helped the offensive line. Again, they break the streak of 42 games, allowing a sack against the Colts, a Colts team that 
had been pretty good at getting sacks. I mean, they were second in the league in sack percentage. Um, but you see it helping the offensive line um, not feel like they are constantly having to sit back there with no help. They've had more six and seven man protections at times. They've done things and it, and it's, and it's worked out and it's allowed Browning to stay clean, yeah. um, which has also been a part of his success story. Yeah. That's really his, his play while not pressured is really one of the craziest things. And everybody's better when not pressured versus pressured. I mean, that's right. not a secret, but when not pressured, he's 42 of 46 <laughs> for 498 yards. That's wild. Last two weeks. That's and two that's two batted passes, a drop, and the pick. I mean So what you're saying is he's got to do better. He's got to fix got those to be better. Yeah, yeah, you just can't have that interception. <laughs> I mean, it feels really bad nitpicking like what happened with the yeah. interception when it's like 42 of 46. But when he's been pressured, eight of 15 for 131, that very much helped by that 76 yard touchdown yeah. to Jamar Chase in Jacksonville. So really, you know, 50% and, you know, not about five, six, seven yards per attempt versus, you know, well over 10. You're just. So that's the key going forward is can you continue to keep him clean against some defenses that are going to be much better? I mean, Minnesota's a, since week six, last last half a season, eight games, clear number one defense in football. They they blitz more than any, and almost anybody. I mean, they just yeah. love to try to bring it, to try to keep you off balance. Um, they're a very unique team. In that regard, and you saw last week, if you enjoy football, you might not enjoy Vikings three, Raiders zero. Um, but that's the kind of games that they've been in. I mean, the 12 10 game against the Bears, it's going to be more of a slog. It's not going to be so easy. They're going to see what Jake Browning has on tape and what the team is doing to reform itself um, and attack that. And you, you do wonder, what does that look like against the Vikings, the Steelers, the Chiefs? the Browns compared to what it did against Colts and Jags teams that were a little bit more accessible. That said, it certainly does feel like there's a winning formula that's been created for this team. Yeah. Well, you just hope when you're playing Minnesota that Tom Bernanski doesn't hit another three run home run. Yeah. And and you keep (laughs) Jeff Reardon from coming in for the sake. Is that, do we want eighties baseball references or are we just doing movies? Always. No, we always, we always want, I mean, pull out your tops cards or (laughs) if you've got any stadium club sitting around somewhere, pull out, you know, I think I've got a few, I got a few, I got a Kirby Puckett rookie card somewhere Nice that we could, that we could pull out. Um, So, I want to kind of dive a little more into this topic with our good friend and yours, Mo Egger, VSPN 1530. What's up, Mo? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I can talk Steve Lombardozzi. I can talk Tom Nieto. I can talk Mm. Roy Smalley. I can go Dan Gladden. I can go Tim Loudner. I mean, where do you want to start? Lee Straker, Burp Lylevin? 
Joe Necro? Necro? Phil Necro? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, look, I'm I'm happy to go wherever you Dan Gladden was a favorite of mine. Yeah. I'll start there if you want to. Great mullet, great mustache, and scored the game-winning run in Game yes. 7 of the 1991 World Series. A very famous leap into the air at the plate where it felt like he actually didn't really jump. Yeah. His his feet just kind of popped up in the air. I very remember, very much remember that not-so-athletic exactly. move by him. Um, he, I want to ask you about something, Mo, and oh, it's oh, I think it's a – I'm sorry. I, th- what do you think you're here for? Well, I mean, typically when people when people prefaced what they're about to ask me with, I need to ask you about something. I've typically done something wrong. No, you have stupid. No. I've caused someone business or I have violated some sort of household rule. No, I no, I do not mean to sound like I'm sitting you down okay. for a talk in the principal's no. office. Okay. I just think this is a topic that we are going to be revisiting over the course of this offseason a lot. And. It's one that is an interesting discussion right now. And Mm -hmm. that is if these things that are working offensively for the Bengals are, are proving so successful, more under center, less empty sets, uh, the under center play action, the marriage, the pass and run, the utilization of the running backs and the pass, all this stuff that, that Dave and I just talked about that people have seen, this Mm -hmm. stuff is working so well. And we'll have to see what it looks like the next few weeks. Sure. Shouldn't this be part of a discussion with Joe Burrow about what this offense looks like next year? Yep, absolutely. Why is it not? And the person who should lead that conversation is Joe Burrow. Like, okay, so he doesn't like being under center. That's fine. Does he like winning? <laughs> uh, does he like winning championships? Does he like uh, tapping into the full potential of of the offense that he's a part of? I I would think... That if Joe is as thoughtful and smart and introspective as we all believe he is, or at least want to think he is, that he watches what's happening and goes, okay, how do I mesh what I do with what they're doing and with what we as a team are doing well? And so there, there has to be conversations about how to do that. If if there aren't, what are we doing? <laughs> Th- yeah. Then, 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 what's the point of all the offseason work the coaching staff is going to do? And what's the point of mini camp and training camp and OTAs and all the meetings? I- I've, I've really got to think that Joe is watching this unfold, going, "All right, um, I-, I do all these things really well. This offense is doing all these things really well. How do we blend the two? And if we can do it successfully, how does anybody stop us? Look, this yeah. is an offense." that over the last couple of years has been at least in part defined by the, the stops and starts. I've used the word clunky, the, the clunkiness, the spinning the tires. Right. And, and that's, that's been the case while Joe Burrow has been authoring MVP caliber seasons with all the talent around him. And so it's not like, you know, four weeks ago, Joe Burrow was at the helm of a well-oiled machine. No, it was an offense that had played unevenly for a really long time for an offense that, the Bengals almost won a championship in spite of. And so how do you not step back and go, God, you know what? There are a lot of things we do well, but then there are some things that we're doing well without Joe. Obviously Joe is the franchise. How do we blend the two? Yeah. And if we're not having that conversation, then either you don't think that much of your quarterback's ability to adapt and adjust, uh, or as a coaching staff, you're completely inept. And I don't think either of those things are true. No, 
and you know one thing that i think that we've said kind of consistently is you know they it feels like they always need to find easier throws every once in a while find things that are just open and 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 that work and that aren't so don't seem so hard aren't relying on burrow to you know to win to win a chess match every play <laughs> yeah. or or constantly rely on him to just kind of take advantage of giving his guy a chance one-on-ones to Jamar or to T and and find other things. And this seems like, you know, they may have stumbled onto some answers for that in, in this regard. And, and, you know, give Joe Burrow an offseason to say, hey, your thing this year is get healthy, get mm-hmm. the, get your wrist healthy again, and and let's work on your more on your comfort running under center, play action, or some of these other types of things that – proved really successful with this group and and kind of bring a little bit and maybe say hey do you need to be an empty so often like do do we have and i get it like that is something that he's comfortable with and it is a way that they combat what the way a lot of teams try to play them but you know when you when you see what it's done for protection and 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 again small sample size let's see what the rest of this season looks like as the league adjusts to what mm-hmm. they're doing, but you know what what it can do to help your offensive line, and in turn help you take less hits and things like that. You know, because they're not running more. That's the fallacy here. They're right. in these neutral down situations. They're they're still throwing it the same amount. They're just doing it in a safer way, a little bit, and that's helping the offensive line, and that's keeping everybody upright, which is something that Burrow should certainly be wanting. Yeah, isn't the idea to always play to the strengths of your team? What they're doing is allowing this offensive line to thrive. And if the offensive line thrives, then Joe Burrow has a better chance of of not suffering another injury. Like this, this isn't rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, you you now have this weapon in Chase Brown who looks like <laughs> first of all, they should have been using him a few months ago. Uh, but like moving forward, all right, how do we tap into what this guy can do? Because this guy looks like he could be a vital piece the likes of which we really haven't had. And so, but, you know, they're three weeks ago, I was wondering about oh, the offensive line. Okay. They've, they've signed dudes, they've drafted guys, they've invested, they've gotten free agents uh, and it's still not working. What's going to happen with Frank Pollock? Well, okay. Maybe instead of firing the offensive line coach or bringing in a whole new bunch of offensive linemen, which seems unrealistic, you have found something that allows this group to do its best work. And if this group does its best work, then the offense works better regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah. So this whole thing about, well, Joe doesn't like to operate from under center. Okay, fine. But, you know, you you have to make adjustments in your game. You have to make adjustments in whatever you do for the greater good. And the, the, the small sample size evidence we have seen would suggest it would make a lot of sense for Joe to go, okay, I have to become more comfortable playing the position, not operating exclusively out of the shotgun. Um, so I have had this stat that I've wheeled out for years now because it's it's basically um perfect and that is adjusted net yards per attempt and teams making it to the, the Super Bowl and you have to be in the top 8 of efficient passing games of of having getting getting yards per attempt and not having turnovers being a key part of that if Jake Browning qualified he would currently rank 3rd in the NFL Mm-hmm. You have Brock Purdy uh, up there. You have Tua up there. You know, you know, you some names. You know who's not? Patrick Mahomes is not in the top eight. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, this is this goes back 10 years. There's, there's actually the only case where it wasn't true was was um uh shoot, I'm forgetting who it was. There was one case. There was literally one time in the last 10 years that a quarterback hasn't been in the top eight. But the point being that if this can be a continuation of their offense, is a team that makes a valiant effort to nine and eight but falls short via tiebreaker still a success for you, Mo? Or has the last two weeks kind of made you rethink and say, hey, maybe, maybe I should be expecting more out of this team? Maybe that maybe there's more here, or is it all cherry on top at this point? It's a little of both. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's not so black and white. Like uh finishing nine and eight would be a cool story. It would be frustrating that they missed the postseason, but that to me would be a bigger reflection of how they started the season and, you know, the failed methods that they used to, to, to play the first four games for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, you could argue, okay, well, Jake Browning has, uh, has been a cool story and him playing, has really highlighted over the last two weeks, at least the coaching staff's creativity and ability to still make the offense function, despite not having the guy, the offense is really all about at the same time, it took bottoming out and losing your quarterback for the rest of the season and getting beaten at home by a bad Pittsburgh team for, for you to come to the realization that we got to do things differently. And because it took so long, you are nine and eight and you are on the outside looking in. Um, you know, for me, more than anything, I, I think regardless of how this season unfolds, barring the totally impossible, them winning the whole thing, it, it's hard to not look at the rest of the AFC and go, God, you know, yeah. It, it, I mean, just if, if not only, not only if only Joe Burrow was healthy, but if, if, if only this if only this season would have gone according to plan, if only the quarterback would have been healthy, if only they could have hit the ground running, if only he hadn't busted his uh, calf in training. I mean, the, the, it's so wide open. We're watching a, a very ordinary looking Chiefs team right now, a Dolphins team that, you know, if this was college football, we would be talking about their strength of victory and strength of schedule, right? I guess not strength of schedule because they've lost to the good teams they've played. Jacksonville has fallen on its face. You know, the, the Ravens are very good, but certainly susceptible. I mean, hell, they almost gave away a game to the Rams, who are, are pretty good. But, I mean, you just you look at the AFC and you're like, God, you know what? We said coming into the year, like, this was their year, and it should have been. So that kind of looms over all of it. But getting back to the original question, if if they finish 9-8, and eight, I think you go, okay, well, they have their backup quarterback moving forward. They have a good backup, uh, b- good quarterback room. You You – lock Jake in for next year. And, and if you have to play him in 2024, at some point you feel pretty good about that. Uh, at the same time, it took, it took the events of the last month f- for them to really f- sort of figure out how to play offense. Yeah. Huh. That's frustrating. It's well, tough. yeah, it, because I think they thought that the best way for them to play offense was all through whatever burrow kind of, works for him best, yeah. you know? And I think there's a, re- that, that maybe that's the best thing to come up this year will be a realization that it doesn't have to be all through exactly the way that Burrow wants to play. And this can open his eyes. The, the, you know, the, the ultimate uh, regrets I've had a few here is 
what if they would have played Browning and learned this in the first four weeks of the season? Mm-hmm. What if these yeah. what if these three weeks would have happened weeks one through three? You know yeah. what I mean? And they yeah. would have come out of that saying, having learned the lessons and figured some things out and, and come and played the rest of the year. Now, gr- granted, that's a uh, revisionist history. Sure. Um, can I, I want, and by the way, I want to give the list of, of the teams. So in case anybody's looking to place future bets uh, on teams that could win the Super Bowl, here's your list right now of, of your adjusted net yard per temp top eight. It's San Francisco and Purdy to a Dak, uh, CJ Stroud, Lamar, Jared Goff in Detroit, Josh Allen, and then throw Matthew Stafford in there. Kick Matthew Stafford out if you give the Jake Brown Browning qualifier yeah. at some point, right? To give the Bengals yeah. a chance. But keep in mind, that's your teams. No Hurts, no Mahomes, mm-hmm. no Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, these are guys that have have not that their offenses haven't given them enough. And you watch Kansas City and you see it, right? You see it uh in their game uh, against the Bills. Their offense might not give them enough at the next level, which is crazy, but that's just kind of where it's at right now, where, where that's, that's the list, which gives me this. Let's, let's, let's kind of uh, run pass or boot the seven and six teams. Oh boy. So give me your number one, your number two, and the team you like least of your AFC seven and six teams. Now that list um, if I can uh, pull it up, and I had it here now, there's I, like I there's like 41 of them. So uh, yeah, there's there's so me. many. I I, yeah. I think I have the standings open on eight different tabs right now, and not the one that's in front of me uh, for some reason. Let me uh, pull it up. Okay, okay. So obviously you have the Bengals at seven mm-hmm. and six, uh, Pittsburgh, Indy, Houston, Denver, Buffalo. I mean, there's still only you know you've got three Chiefs, Jags, and Browns at eight and five, just barely. Uh, ahead of them yeah let's I, i'll even i'll even uh let's throw the browns in there even though they're okay a game, they're a game ahead since they're not gonna, uh, currently division winners of all of those the above 500 non-division leaders run pass or boot uh your faith in making the playoffs and um maybe like a sort of a damage they could do there being a part of this as well hmm. all right i'm booting the steelers yeah, I think this is start. I think this is the season where Tomlin finishes with a losing record. It feels like it. I mean, I don't know how you can't feel like it after the last two weeks. Right. So they, they lose consecutive games at home to teams that had two wins coming in. They now go to Indy, which feels like an elimination game. They host the Bengals. They go to Seattle. They go to Baltimore. Uh, they're playing Mitch Trubisky right now. TJ Watson concussion protocol. The offense stinks. So I am, even if they finish with a winning record, are they going to get to 10 wins? Come on. I'll, I'll run with Denver, who's playing great. They don't seem like the team that gave up 70 points. They, you know, they lost that game against the Texans. Russell Wilson threw three picks. And, and, and frankly, they showed me a lot in that game. So their remaining schedule at Detroit, the Lions defensively have fallen apart. Home for New England, bad. Home for Chargers, bad. At Vegas, bad. Yeah. So I'm going to run with Denver. I'm going to pass with Buffalo. So that's a good, that's, that was the, that's kind of the original three. That's actually the three that I had in my head. But I, I I think Denver is clearly when you factor in damage, they could do there. Yeah. I mean, they've still got their starting quarterback. So that's an advantage. Yeah. Uh, And, and he's playing pretty well. 
I mean, when you look at the way they've played since that slow start that took a new coach some time to figure it out, I mean, they've only really got one loss. They've beaten Kansas City. They, they've they've done a lot of things. I mean, in fact, if the Chiefs' schedule wasn't so easy, you'd say, man, they might still be able to chase down Kansas City here. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think with the Chiefs' schedule, is even the Chiefs' own struggles, I don't think you're going to see them uh, have an issue with what they have down, down the line. I think Denver is they feel the most in to me of yeah, that group. I think they've given up more than 20 points uh, since they had the game against the bears. They won 31, 28. I'm looking at it right now. Actually, they lost to the jets since then. They've given up more than 20 points once they're terrific on defense. Uh, they don't throw the ball enough to their top guy Sutton, who like every catch is a touchdown catch. So they should throw it to him more. Um, Russell Wilson's played well this year, man. You know, you know, as much as last year felt like just a total assault on everything Russell Wilson, he's played well. And, you know, again, I mean, they, they were sort of left for dead when they gave up 10 touchdowns to the Dolphins, but look at how they've played and look at who they play. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to run with Denver. I'll pass with Buffalo because I don't think either outcome would surprise me. Yeah. Like if, if they folded down the stretch and you know are playing the last two weeks where they're not, they're not even in contention. I don't think that would be surprising. Um, you know they have some tough games. They're, I, I think, slight favorites at home against Dallas. Dallas is a different team on the road. They go to the Chargers, home for the Patriots at Miami in a game that's, you know, who knows what it's going to mean for both teams. But you know, Josh Allen's a guy who can play in the cold. Uh. They they have played well their last two against the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. You know, I mean, they were they were in the big three in the AFC a year ago. The personnel isn't dramatically different. Uh, I, I don't think either outcome would surprise me. Them winning out and finishing eleven and six, I don't think is a stunning outcome. And them finishing eight and nine and out of the playoffs, that's not a stunning outcome either. So, I'll I'll pass with them. The Bengals. I, I feel like I am I have found myself leaning too much on the ease of their schedule. And I don't like doing that, right? Because they've played terrific. 34 points both games. But if the primary re- and I know I've just cited every team's schedule here, I I I just I feel like I need to see it one more week. I feel yeah. like I need to see it one more time. Indianapolis, that has to have been the worst game they've played all season long. I feel like I need to see it one more week before I really buy in. Is this team with Jake Browning really going to win, end up winning five of its last six? Maybe none of these games look all that daunting, including obviously right now, Kansas city, but, but I don't like it when the first thing you could cite is the schedule. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing that just a little bit too much to have total faith in putting the Bengals in the postseason. But if you said, You've got to put money on one Cincinnati or Pittsburgh. I take Cincinnati. Yeah. Even though Pittsburgh is one head to head. So I'm not going to boot them, but I I'm also, and like, I know they went a head to head tiebreaker with Buffalo. So if it comes down to that, I guess, you know, we, we should, we should factor that in, but I feel like for me, I'm leaning a little bit too much on the ease of the final four games and maybe that's not fair to do to this team because they have played really well and Jake Browning's been terrific, but you know, what's when's, when's the clunker and one clunker could doom them. When's the clunker coming and can they win the clunker? 
Can they win yeah. the, the Jake Brown and clunker? Remains to be seen, I guess. And that's why I think this weekend's game is so fascinating because if you can go against the Minnesota defense, which has really been the best in football for a couple of months now, and and you can do enough to win. Now, granted, I mean, it, we saw what happened them last week, but if you can put up some points um, and and win a game, you know, where it's not seven to six or something like that, you can actually put up some points and win the game. Now you start to think about them differently. Now they run into that top two, you know, run pass conversation, I think, for you. Because now it's like, I feel like the offense isn't some, you know, uh, dead cat bounce group that that got lucky a couple of weeks to yeah. put up all those points. And, and it means something. And so I, I think this is a telling week, whether if we did this next week, they would be uh, a team that you would you would mention first. But I agree with you. I think I'm... I'm Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, uh, Houston. I don't. I wouldn't feel as great about those and their ability to 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 do any damage in the long run. Cleveland's got a tough ride. I mean, Denver and Buffalo to me, just because of quarterbacks. I mean, it's there's mm-hmm. a certain point where you okay, your quarterbacks are the ones that are going to have to take you to the next level. But I I don't. You know, I still think Buffalo's a nine and eight team. I think I think that's where they that's where they end up landing and and I think that's what you got to look at. You're right. One clunker can certainly change everything and this game this weekend is fascinating but there's there's um nobody's the AFC is so attainable because yeah. every every it's what you thought it was except everybody is pretty good. Yeah. But there's no there really is no great and that's yeah. why the sneak on in factor here, if if you go out Saturday, if you're the Bengals and you win this game handily and put up some points on a really good Minnesota defense, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. Would any now, not all the way, but like, you know, right. to, to really be around and, and, and not just sneak in and that be it. Tony Pike and I talked about this yesterday. Is there any first round playoff outcome that you would find completely shocking? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now we, we don't know who's going to be seated where or who's going to qualify, but let's say the Bengals are in as the seven and they go to Kansas City and win 1917 and get some crybaby Patrick Mahomes moments. Yeah. Would be surprising, be an upset, but I don't think anybody would who's watched the season play out would be like upset of the century, right? Nobody would nobody would do that. So yeah, there, there's I, I said on my show yesterday that, that there's sort of a baseball field to the AFC playoffs, right? Like mm-hmm. just, just get in, man. And, you know, yeah. roll the dice and see what happens, which is why, and I, I sort of feel like this has gone away since they've won two games now, but w- which is why I've laughed at the suggestion that we should root for them to lose. For, and, and I've laughed at that for uh, a lot of different reasons. Now, can I ask you a question? Oh, okay. Because I'm interested in your experience being in the press box. On Sunday, I was sitting in my my regular seats, and the the only thing I don't have multiple kids. You have two. I have one. So, like on Christmas morning, when my daughter comes downstairs, there's really no one to share the excitement with. But with you, you have two kids, and so before they dive into the gifts, they can look at each other with this look of giddiness and wonder, and holy crap, this is really happening. That's what was happening in the stands where I sit when AJ McCarron jogged onto the field on Sunday. <laughs> uh, there was this, 
like unspoken. This is an audio medium. And so I, I really can't do it justice. But like there was this like folks were looking at each other like, oh, <laughs> this is we're, it's we're it, it was it was. An, and then when he threw the touchdown pass yeah. to like the same place, he threw the touchdown pass to A.J. Green. Unbelievable. Yeah. Un where I was and I was thrilled for him. I briefly checked my phone to make sure I was still blocked by AJ. I, I am. Uh, <laughs> and so it was, was the experience in the press box remotely comparable for, for like 90 seconds. There was this. <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's yes. happening. It's it's here. He comes, here comes. He's wearing number four now. Okay. He's coming in. This is great. <laughs> what was it like where you were? Um, it was mostly about, wait, is this the exact same day eight years later that the thumb <laughs> injury, like, I was like quickly trying to look up the date of that Steelers game when Andy Dalton hurt his thumb and McCarron yeah. had to come in and finish the season all while wondering what is exactly going on with Jake Browning's thumb. I mean, so it wasn't, it was honestly hard to process all that was going on because of more of the disbelief in trying to, uh, trying to take in the moment, but yeah. And then he throws the touchdown, the oh, touchdown to T Higgins. My. And you're thinking my McCarron guy, just one week after the tough scene for McCarron guy to have that moment. Um, oh, just, I was, uh, I was thrilled. Yeah. I was, I was thrilled that it unfolded the way it did where McCarron guy got his moment where his boy charged out onto the field. AJ got a moment where he threw a touchdown pass that you know, like throwing one in fantasy camp, I guess. <laughs> But but Jake was okay, and you know we can still keep talking about him. I just when when you ask me ten years from now, what do you remember about that Bengals Colts game? <laughs> I will remember not necessarily AJ playing. I just the looks on everybody's faces as they exchanged these excited, giddy, knowing glances with each other, like wow. And then the Colts fan in front of me going, "Who is that?" And I, it's AJ McCarron. He goes, that guy's still with the Bengals. Like, wow. Well, uh, with the St. Louis Battle Hawks. I mean, earlier he's this been year. he's been in their hearts. Yes. for a long time. Yeah, that no was a magical moment, and I I so wish the touchdown pass would have counted because yes. just what Beautiful. would have been better. Unfortunately, it it didn't. But for a few moments, man, it was just where I said it was just awesome. Well. We will talk about that and more this uh, this afternoon on ESPN 1530 from 3 to 4. I look forward to joining you back in the studio, the warmth of the studio. Looking We're back in the that. warmth. It's it's a client office Christmas party day. So Will they be sitting in on our conversation? Well, we leave the door open. Oh, we do. Because we have a DJ for the clients and we have music. And so we, we open because, you know, if you're stuck in the studio, you don't feel like you're part of the party. So... We will be not a part of the party, but it'll sound like we are. You'll oh, enjoy it. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Thank you. All right, Mo, I'll see you then. I look forward to it. See you. Right, bye. It's Mo Egger, ESPN 1530.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, so, Dave, we, 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 we touched on a lot there uh, around the AFC. I, I, the point, I think the overwhelming, overarching, I should say, point of all of that is week-to-week league. All right, let's revisit this conversation. <laughs> there's just there's you can't make any declarations. You know there is no favorite. There is no sense of you know where this is going. Um and go win this weekend and see what it looks like after that because it's yeah. just there's too it's too wide open. I mean, I I said that after Burrow got hurt uh, when we when we did the podcast was it, it goes back to until you're mathematically eliminated and I really believe that this year because it is that parity is just across the the whole conference. And you look at the Dolphins last night. Wow, do they change yeah. when Tyreek Hill isn't in the game? That's yeah. suddenly a very ordinary looking offense when Tyreek Hill is not in the game. So even up to the top, everybody looks vulnerable, which makes it kind of interesting if you can get in because very I very much so. There's not a team that's just going to steamroller through unless somebody just gets hot. So. Um, this kind of goes back to our conversation too about and and Mo touched on it of the why you don't necessarily just tank for a draft pick right away. Mm-hmm. That that's just like the knee jerk for everyone, and I think it's logical until you start thinking about the landscape of the conference, and then you might as well just uh, in the Bengals' case, I think kind of play on house money and see how far you can go. Yeah, um, and and they will. We'll we'll learn a lot this weekend, and you'll certainly feel very different i mean they could be as high as the sixth seed when they go to bed on saturday night um and locked into that uh for now and so yeah it's it doesn't take much it doesn't take much the Bengals fans and those of us trying to calculate it all you know the zach galifianakis (laughs) meme uh should take it the same same way as the team does and, and and keep dropping just one week at a time week just we're just one day one week at a time is how people should be uh analyzing where this thing goes and just know that no 
of all years where you've got a million backups playing and Miami losing in that game and Kansas City looking, I mean, Jacksonville, all the who's when you say who's really great, expect total chaos in the playoffs. <laughs> and um, and so just keep that in mind when you're talking about uh, sneak on it. All right. And that note, uh, let's do a little bit of Q&A. I sent something out on uh, Twitter or X, if you're comfortable with that. Um, before we started and uh, said, Dave, you pick a few out and I will do my best to answer them on the fly. A few of the questions you guys had, did you find some good ones? I did. We've got some really good ones. Uh, okay. Lots of people responded. You actually, I want to use Ryan Townsend's. Uh, he, he sent in two questions, which, you know, since we're doing two growler bets for one this week, it feels a like little greedy, a little but greedy, you, but I'll you, take you, it. You touched on the first one, uh, talking to Mo, which was seeing that Jake Browning has played so well the last two days. What what do you think the reservation was for not starting in the first three games of the season? Which you can talk more about that if you'd like. You you did you did touch on that, but his number two is one of our other buzzworthy guys right now. Is seeing the potential in Chase Brown. Does Joe Mixon stay for his last year, or does Brown get the reins next year as RB one? So. I'll 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 touch a little bit more on the Browning thing in in just in the fact that you know I I do think they they didn't know no one could have known that it would look like this you know they they I don't think there was any reason to say that a seventy percent Burrow wouldn't have been better than a hundred percent Jake Browning because you could have anticipated it looking looking like it did was that an in retrospect an error yeah they probably should have had a lot more confidence in browning and not feel like life ceases to exist without burrow but in fairness it has felt around here like life ceased to exist without burrow for a long time before this <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't necessarily fault that line of thought but i do think that that line of thought does not exist here probably anymore after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, which is a good thing for them going forward. Um, when you talk about Joe Mixon, I I do think that you know you, you got to remember you know the restructure of his contract and how it sits for next year, where they would save five point eight million uh, against the cap by letting him go. Um, and take on 2.8 in dead money, which is a much more of a figure that they're comfortable with in dead money in, in history. I mean, that's one that they've been willing to soak up. And you consider all the needs they will have, all the cap space they will need in order to do what they want to do. And what Chase Brown has brought and the ability to find another guy, uh, whether as a free agent for a couple of million dollars, um, or a draft pick that you could mix in with Brown. I don't, I don't know that we know that Chase Brown is a carry the load guy. And I think you like yeah. the idea of a big back and a smaller, faster back. I mean, you know what we like? Thunder and lightning day. <laughs> Everyone loves thunder and lightning. But I, I, I do think that there that he has given him the way Mixon has played in particularly in the the tough grinding yards has given him a chance to collect that money. I still think it's a long shot that he stays just because 
5.8 million in cap space for this team yeah. with all they have to do goes a long way. And he's been kind of just a guy. Um, I, I know they like him and there's history there and, and Mike Brown's a fan and all that stuff, but it's a big number for somebody um, who hasn't been all that explosive and has brought you only some of the things you want out of that position. I still think it makes the most sense for them to move on from him, but um, he's given himself a fighting chance and you say, Hey, you liked the combo of Mixon and Brown, right? Yeah. You liked the way that felt. So maybe keep going with that, except maybe next year it's more of a 50, 50 split, or there's another, a third guy that's part yeah. of the equation too. Um, but if you're going to have a three way running back room, Having a cap number of 8.5 on one of those guys sure doesn't feel like what should be part of the plan. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that whole running back discussion is there's going to be guys available too. And yeah. if you're going to spend the money, you're probably going to have some options. I think you're right that you can't you can't declare Chase Brown's ready to be a carry the load guy, but how many of those are there really anyhow? I mean, most teams are mixing it you up. You don't with, want you don't want to be guys. a carry. Right. You you want to have two or three guys uh that you right. feel like you can go to. So when one goes down, you can lean into the other. I, I just for that fact, I don't think you want to be paying eight point five million against the cap. Yeah. Um, you know, you you can you can use that money elsewhere. Yeah. But if if it comes down to it and they gotta go get somebody, they also can't. I personally, I don't think they can do what they've done with tight end and replacing P Ryan and things like that and just kind of do it total bargain basement and put it off. Like you need to be aggressive and go get a guy if you're going to let Joe Mixon go. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that unfolds in the offseason. Yep. What do we got uh, next, next? Next question is uh, from Brian LaFev. And I'm picking it mostly because that is, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia reference. And, uh huh. You win me with that. That's a Dennis Reynolds alter ego right there. And I'll take their, <laughs> that question every time. Uh, Brian LaFeve asks, the defense picked it up this week against a pretty bad Colts offense, but they obviously under underperformed this season. Should expectations have been as high as they were, knowing the back-end losses of Bell and Bates? Should they have re-signed one of them and let Jermaine Pratt or Logan Wilson go? Well... No, I I don't think expectations were misplaced. I think I think Luana Rumo kind of told us at the combine, man, it would be a dark day if I lost Bell and Bates. And we all should have listened to the gut reaction and not the Kool-Aid that was sort of served up afterwards. Yeah. Um, about rationalizing that and how it cannot, you know, just the amount. I don't I I still I don't fault Pratt and Wilson. You know, I, I think losing Von Bell hurts you, but I still don't necessarily think that it was the wrong move. Um, I I look back more at maybe they should have paid Jesse Bates yeah. uh, than anything, but that's a you know that's a second guess that sort of that ship sailed a long time ago, and it was something they weren't willing to do. I, that's maybe I don't maybe they they undervalued somehow what his true effect and sort of looked at any, you know, it's safety's not in a premium position. Well, it is if Jesse Bates is back there. And I think that might've been a bigger part of it. You'd have loved to have seen what Jesse Bates and Dax Hill next to each other would have looked like. Um, and I think you would have felt so much better rather have that than no Pratt and maybe another 
you know, another contract that was let go or rearranged or, or what, however you, you would prefer to have looked at that. Um, yeah. but to me, that's, that's the one that's, that stands out more than anything, but I don't think the expectations were misplaced. Despite them missing those two guys, you had everyone else back. You had all these top picks and depth pieces. You had Lou Anarumo and a scheme. Everyone was comfortable with. There's no reason this defense, you know, despite playing better last week against the Colts, should has have been having the issues that they've had all season. You wonder if it start, is really starting to get better. The run defense has been better. The, they've been cutting back on the explosives. They certainly did last week against Indy. They only had only one play longer than 16 yards. Uh, that was non-penalty. And so missed tackles being down, those are things that were haunting them. Maybe they're finally starting to figure it out. Um. But we, you know, that again, that's more of what we'll see down these last these next few weeks. You've got a Minnesota offense, bad Pittsburgh offense, bad Chiefs offense, struggling Cleveland offense, Joe Flacco. This is I, I had this in my notes for the pregame rundown. Bengals Nation turns its eyes to you, Luana Rumo. <laughs> I think this is where it shifts from the Jake Browning story to the Luana Rumo story. This is where it shifts from the Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Dan Pitcher story to the Luana Rumo story. Okay. The progress that you feel like you've seen the last couple of weeks from them defensively and some of those things I mentioned that were really killing them. Make these crappy offenses pay for it and carry the rest of it, and 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 then and then you feel like your well-rounded group might finally show up if you can sneak on in. So I think I don't think it was misplaced, and I think the I don't think the final chapters have been written on it yet either. Well, and to add to that, just on the notion of letting the safeties go. You also had Dax Hill here as your first round pick. And yeah, that that was a succession plan. And I think I don't hate when when you invest that high in your succession plan, I think you have to let it play out. And, you know, he's generally looked good. And I think he's a guy that can keep improving. So, yeah, um, you know, this may be a better thing to look back at in two or three years and see if they went the right route with that. But yeah, still interesting to to ponder. And um, I think it's a fair question. And it's Brian Lefebvre, so I'm always so shout out, shout out to that. I do feel like as I start talking about the long term picture and the defense figuring out all these different moving pieces, there is a little bit of the, uh, you know, all the the connections behind on the wall and like (laughs) and whipping the air into my nose a little bit. Yeah, your Pepe Silvia situation. That's me. That's me. Nice. Well done. Well played. I'm here for you. Uh, I'm gonna go with this one just because I kind of feel like eating skyline chili for lunch. Okay. And this doesn't <laughs> this doesn't have a lot to do with you know what's going on in the field, but Finn McCool, another great name, uh, asks with the crosstown shootout this past weekend, mm-hmm. go X. Finn shows his allegiance. It got me thinking: if you had to select five players from the Bengals roster to be the most competitive basketball team, who would be the starting five? Okay, I did. I actually saw this one, and and so it kind of percolated through my head a little bit before we started recording. So I have this answer. And um, so there's there's three guys I started with that I think for me, one I'm not so sure about, but I, I like, and that is Burrow's my point guard, all right? Athens high, crushing it, can hit the ball, distribute, understands leadership. Give me my, give me my Joe Burrow point guard, all right? <laughs> um, 
T. Higgins, have you seen his high school tape? He's ridiculous. He was a ridiculous basketball player and probably could have played pretty well at the Division One level if he'd have done that at Clemson or if he went to Tennessee or whatever. Give me Jamar just to keep the three of them together kind of doing their thing and Jamar's ability to uh, work in small spaces and be so quick and he's still strong and thick. I'm, I'm, I know he's not tall necessarily, but I'm here for – I'm here for Jamar as part of that equation. Then I've got the two others. I feel small, right? I need some height. <laughs> so I'm going Orlando Brown playing the middle. Mm. Six, eight. He's a little big. He's a little got a little bit of Robert tractor trailer to him. <laughs> okay. But maybe a little Cadillac, a little Escalade. Oliver Miller, perhaps. Oh yeah. yeah. The big O. So I'm going with, I'm going to go with Orlando in the middle and, uh, and just kind of plug in the middle. He's pretty light on his feet for a massive dude intimidation factor need some height i'm going with him and then my my off the wall is i'm going dj turner just oh. off pure athlete like he's he's got the super high vert um he's not tall but i mean he's just a he, his athletic movements are just freakish compared to anyone else on the team runs the 426 i just give me an athlete that can guard probably. I, he's got. He's obviously got defensive guarding skills. I need a defensive stopper. So I don't know if he can hit a three, but if he could, he'd be my three and D guy uh, <laughs> as as a pure athlete. So there's my I, there's my starting five for the Bengals. Nice. I, I won't make you do the whole bench, but that's that's pretty strong. <laughs> All <laughs> right, sixth man of the year. Here we go. Uh, Who's on your G League squad? In my G. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you have any more? Yeah, let's do two more. I got two oh, more wow. I see okay. here that I, I want you to address. Uh, Zach Maloney asks, and this is this is a guy you 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 talk a lot about. Uh, he says Zach Maloney. Give... I've never no, talked no, no, about no. Zach Maloney. Before. I mean, we should talk about Zach Maloney more <laughs> than we do. Yeah, I agree. But Zach asks, uh, got to give credit to the current staff. Uh, hard not to look ahead, but what are the chances we keep Dan Pitcher? Mm. Not super. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Dan could have left last year if he wanted to. I think I think he very much could have gone to Tampa. It felt like they were leaning in his direction for their offensive coordinator spot. And and he saw the value in staying here um, and and waiting it out for maybe a better shot. Or, or a better position, you know, that you can see the mess that the Bucks are in there. You know, you don't want to go somewhere where that coach is about to get blown out and things are going to change in Baker Mayfield. Like no one, you don't want to, you don't want to stake your career on that. He's going to be a hot name. What has happened with Jake Browning helps him just as much as anybody else. Yeah. yeah. And, and if Brian Callahan doesn't get a head coach job, you know, pitcher isn't going to stick around probably here to be quarterbacks coach anymore. I mean, his, his star is is just too far into the sky at this point. And so I think he's either the offensive – he's offensive coordinator somewhere. Hell, if not yeah. more. I mean, yeah. it's funny because people say, well, yeah, he's not going to jump straight to head coach. I mean, I, I'm not saying he would, but what did Zach Taylor do? Yeah. It would be the same thing that Zach did in his move from the Rams – and you know if if the Bucks blow out Todd Bowles and loved Dan Pitcher last year enough, maybe they'd be willing to go all the way with him and not just have him be an offensive coordinator for some new guy. And, and there's going to be a lot of teams if you're drafting a QB uh, or if you're starting over or he's got connections. I just I just feel like that's a really hard one. I think yeah. they're they're looking to replace 
either Callahan and, and or pitcher. And if Callahan leaves, pitcher's taking his place. So yeah. um, I think I think that's probably what you're looking at there. Well, and I think in, in that argument for pitcher too is teams might want the next Ben Johnson before he becomes Ben Johnson, if if that makes sense. Like yep. before the yep. guy goes and becomes an offensive coordinator and becomes a hot commodity. So depending on how he'd interview and how they view him, yeah, I, there there have been plenty of instances where guys have made that leap up. Um, yeah, and who knows? And who knows about like what he'll be like as a as a play caller specifically? They've yeah. talked a lot about their collaborator collaborative effort in that regard. But that said, he he feels a hundred percent like a Ben Johnson, like in his yeah. background and everything. It just, he just if you you heard you know people that listened to my conversation with him on last week's episode. If you haven't, I recommend going back and listening to it. You can just hear it. He's just gets it. He yeah. absolutely gets it. And you're seeing the fruits of that and, and, and his work with the entire stuff. And to have been on the ground here for this rebuild and seen it, um, that's invaluable for understanding how to start over uh, at other places that need help. So, yeah, that's my very long-winded answer on Dan Pitcher, who I think is an absolute star who's who's going to be a head coach in this league. Good stuff. We'll do one more real quick here. Um Paul Malloy asks, I think this is a good kind of my guy taking inventory here on, on this season. He says with Chase Brown now looking like a good pick, and especially in the fifth round, plus Miles Murphy also starting to look up a little bit. What grade would you currently give this current draft class? Okay. I I, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of a, uh, an NA on this still. I I, yeah. I want to see it finish out. I, I don't. I I I I want to see what the last month looks like for for Miles Murphy. I really do. But and 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 I think Jordan Battle coming along, and I want to see what the last month looks like for him. I want to see what the last month. I I just. I really feel like your grade can change dramatically because of the amount of run that specifically battle and Turner and maybe Brown. Now, I mean, is he going to, is he going to keep going or he, is he going to get figured out a little bit that you're going to see hell DJ Ivy who came in and played yeah. a little bit of a role. What is that last month? They're just, their opportunity is really opened up for them to really learn more about them. I think over the last month, as we sit here, you know, it's in the B range, I would yeah. think. You know, I mean, I how can you not love it? If you did get the fifth round steal you hoped to get, I mean, when you entered that draft, that was the thought process, right? Don't go picking a running back before day three because you can find a steal that can break out on the scene. There's a history of this in this league, right? Yeah. He looks like he might have been it yeah. <laughs> through two games. And so if that is the case, Boy, that's a huge feather in your cap. If Jordan Battle, you know, can play at the level that he has the last few weeks through the rest of the season, you really you hit on one that was maybe the most controversial of their picks. They could have gone a lot of different directions with third. They could have gone with the tight end. They could have gone um running back early. They could have they could have done a number of different things that we thought they might there. Um I think you can already call Turner a great pick just from the foundation yeah. that you've seen. You know Murphy. You don't want to. You want to miss so hard. I, I think they're in the B range because the Murphy pick is is hasn't taken off yet. The Robbins pick 
hasn't been the boon you hoped it would be taking a punter, but we're talking about a six rounder. You're allowed to miss. Um, Charlie Jones is a, we don't know anything about yet, but there's been yeah. some good good enough glimpses as a returner. So I'll give it a B. And, but there's a possibility that that could land in a C or an A range, depending on what happens over the next month. Okay. All right. Well, is there one more? Or is that it? No, that was it. We had good stuff. All right. Good stuff. The feedback. Maybe I'll dive into some more. I know I threatened a mailbag a couple of weeks ago, and I ended <laughs> up just writing on the one question you guys asked me over and over again. Maybe there'll be a little bit more uh, variety, and I can uh, hop into a mailbag this week on a short week. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Uh any last things? I do have an Arby's real quick. If you'll if you'll indulge me, I know you're tired and we're deep into this, but um, I feel bad. It's like I skipped. You know, I didn't do the growler, and then I did a twib without a dad life. And the first comment is, "Where's mm. dad life, dad? What's going on? Do you still have your kids? Are you deadbeat dad? <laughs> like, is it, is it an uncomfortable topic? My kids are still very doing very well. Child you know, services family, did not uh, come. My, no, them. my family life is great." Um, so I feel like I should indulge what I would have done in dad life if I, I was just under the gun to file that story as Dave can look, we're just, I'm here for Dave. Okay. When and I don't want to, when I'm under gun to file a story, I just want to get it in there and, and not make him stay up any later than he has to waiting for me. So um, I will give you, I will regale with this is what I was going to do for dad life. And it was on any, any parent, has done these breakfasts with Santa's this this time of year, you know, and you go to them and there's they got the breakfast and there's Santa and some other form of entertainment. We went to one of these recently. And, you know, my girls are very excited. We've gone over everything they're gonna say to Santa Claus when they see him. And make sure you let them know. Look, you want the Taylor Swift dress up kit, you gotta be specific about what you want. Tell Santa the truth, look him in the eye, let him know you're serious. Okay. Don't be scared. Then and it worked, you know, and and and, the, and when they talked to Santa, it was great. But a weird thing happened. So there was a an elf magician also at this thing. Interesting. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, my man is great. This dude, <laughs> this dude was pulling off tricks where I'm looking around like, did, did you guys see this? Like, this dude is just crushing it up here i don't know how he's doing it he's like he's he's people are writing down their favorite foods and he's claiming their flavor paper and putting them in his mouth and hauling them out like it's it's wild he's doing all kinds of he's it's not just card tricks he's he's funny he's wearing the big elf ears he's playing up the <laughs> costume and the kids were as engaged as i was to the point that Santa was an afterthought when he showed up. Wow. Santa rolls in, first of all, tried to grab my child. And I said, Santa, keep your hands to yourselves. Okay. Not cool. Not cool. Santa walks in. The first thing he sees is my daughter. She's waving hi, Santa. And he runs up. You want to come with me and grabs at her? And she's like, no. Like, <laughs> yes. That's the proper instinct, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, Santa, go sit in your chair. We come to you, buddy. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a little creepy and we don't know who you are. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sit in the chair santa and so so anyway so so he goes over to his chair after he tried to abduct my daughter and <laughs> and the kids don't budge they said can, can you do another trick right wow they, they, and santa sat in the other room while no one went to go visit him and my kids were like 
had no interest in Santa anymore. <laughs> they just wanted more of the elf tricks. And 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 honestly, to tell you the truth, me too. Me too. <laughs> Couldn't have had less interest in Santa. I wanted this dude to just do tricks. And then the only problem was he stopped his magic and started doing balloon animals. Oh. Now, Come on. congratulations for your versatility. I know you're just show, trying to show off. Look, I also am great at doing balloon animals. Balloon animals are the worst. They're the worst. They cause long lines. Kids love balloon animals, and they just take time. You can't engage multiple people at a time. You know what they do? They pop yeah. and make loud sounds that frighten everybody and make the kids scared, and they got to go back another one. They go to the end of the line, and the parents got to go with them, and it's a disaster. They're not as exciting as the magic tricks, and they're everywhere. Yeah. And so what a letdown, what a letdown, but I'm going to tell you, shout out to that guy for making Santa irrelevant. Wow. Maybe that might be a Thursday guest for your podcast to have <laughs> the magician elf in dude. Let's and go. then maybe, you know, maybe with his magic, he can tell you which games to smash, smash it, smash it. Maybe he can with his great, smash the set, maybe, maybe he's good at, you know, picking winners and yeah. you can use it for betting purposes you know you know who smashes the under hmm. uh tommy cutlet's agent now there you go why you gotta circle. end it on a sour note full circle for you hmm. all right on that note we will wrap this up dave appreciate it thanks for waking up for us uh after your <laughs> late night certainly appreciate it and uh we will talk to you next time have a good one everybody